came to Jerusalem for his final week on earth. And uh, he was greeted by worshipers who placed palm branches on his path, Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday marks the beginning of what we call Passion Week or Holy Week. It's the last week of Lent, um, and many of the, the well-known accounts in the Gospels take place during Passion Week, Jesus washing the disciples' feet, the Last Supper, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of those events take place on Thursday, and of course, crucifixion is on Friday, and resurrection takes place on Sunday. So this is probably the most important week of the year for the followers of Christ, probably more important than Christmas. The events that our faith hinges on take place this week. So we want to make this week special, as special as possible. We want to remember the events of this week. And uh, just like how we see God commanding the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, we see that frequently in the Old Testament when he says, commemorate this day, the day the Lord brought you out of Egypt, and do these things every day, uh, every time this year, uh, every day yearly, so that you can remember the significance of this day. And, so, and, that, and along those lines, we want to remember this week. We want to remember the events of this week so that we can strengthen our faith year after year as we remember the crucifixion and resurrection. So, so all that to say, do whatever you can to make this, this week special for you. Add different things in your schedule to make this week special for you. And we'll also do some things together as a church. We'll have a special Monday Thursday prayer meeting this week. Instead of uh, like we had prayer meeting on Thursday, I mean uh, Wednesday last week, we'll do it on Thursday this week. And then we'll have a Good Friday worship service. And, um, and we'll also have an Easter Sunday sunrise gathering. Not sure exactly how we're going to do that. It'll probably be through Zoom. Um, someone suggested for everyone who participates to go outside so that we can see uh, the sun rise as we remember the sunrise. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll, we'll announce how we're going to do that. But in any case, we're going to have a, a sunrise gathering at 6 a.m. And uh, unfortunately, this year we cannot have a baptism and Easter dinner on Sunday, but uh, we'll have a special Easter service nonetheless, and that's next Sunday. So uh, do what you can to make this week special for you, and we really want to walk with Christ and remember Christ throughout, throughout this week. The text that we're looking at today is Palm Sunday. It's a Palm Sunday account in the Gospel of Luke. I forgot if I mentioned this. The title of the sermon is Jesus the King, Jesus the King coming out of Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. Okay, so first, the coming of the king. The coming of the king. Verse 28 says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his other disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it, bring it here. If 
anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Verse 32, so those who were sent away went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. So this account is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that we see in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus had, if you know, you know, avoided the spotlight throughout his ministry. Often we see him telling people not to proclaim who he is. He intentionally tells people not to do that. But now he does intentionally, he does something to intentionally fulfill this prophecy because the time has come now to declare himself as king. Notice that we see Jesus here doing some things that only God can do. He demonstrates foreknowledge, right? He tells his disciples, go to the village and you will find the colt tied there. And it says, those who went found it just as he had told them. And then he rides an unbroken colt. And uh, commentators say that a young unbroken colt is typically rebellious. It's impossible to climb on a young colt and expect a gentle ride. But Jesus does exactly that. He climbs on and the colt obeys. Jesus rides a colt on which it says, on which no one has ever yet, yet sat. Because that is fitting of God. Because an animal that is devoted to a sacred duty must be one that has not been put to ordinary use. We see an example of that in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, where the animals used to carry the Ark of the Covenant were to be animals that were never yoked. So these details in this account that the gospel writer includes reveals that Jesus is the king. And later on in verse 38, when the people declare, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, that actually is a quote from Psalm 118. And in Psalm 118, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But Luke changes it to say, Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord because the point of this account, and more specifically Luke's intent in this account, is to highlight the fact that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king who comes to rule over his kingdom. So the coming of the king. Secondly, the paradoxical king. The paradoxical king. Reading from verse 35. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set, Jesus, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, 
Even though Jesus came declaring himself as king in fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah, the people didn't understand the concept of this king. They thought Jesus was coming as a political or military leader to conquer and rule with a sword. But Jesus came not on a war horse, but on a colt. And it's not even a war donkey. It's a baby donkey. The king of the universe came for his triumphal entry riding on a colt. I mean, we can only imagine what the people must have been thinking when they saw this. They had to have been surprised, maybe even a little disappointed, because they expected a kingly king. But they're met with this almost comical scene, Jesus riding in on a colt. So they probably initially were surprised, but then, you know, maybe they got over it, and they see the colt, and they're like, oh, okay, we can work with this. And it says, they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice nonetheless, Verse 37, why? For all the mighty works that they had seen. So, so they saw, they saw Jesus do these works that were mighty. So even though he doesn't look like a kingly king, even though he's riding in on a colt, they praise God nonetheless and they declare blessed as a king because they remember the mighty works that they had seen. See, they didn't realize at this time of witnessing this, but what they were witnessing was actually consistent with what Jesus had been teaching all along. Jesus, the king that the shepherds worshipped upon his birth, was born not in a palace, but in a manger. Jesus, throughout his ministry, said he had no place to lay his head. Jesus taught that Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus taught that the first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus also said that he came not to, to be served, but to serve. Consistent, riding on a donkey. Consistent with what Jesus had been teaching. But despite that, Zechariah 9.9 must have made no sense to them. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he? Humble and mounted on a donkey. How can the king who brings salvation be mounted on a donkey? Remember, seeing this, they still praise God because they remember the mighty works that Jesus performed. And that is why a few days later, now when they see Jesus hanging and dying on the cross, their natural conclusion was, oh, I guess we were mistaken. I guess he wasn't the king after all. But they had failed to see that Jesus came as a paradoxical king. Jesus was God, but was also man. Jesus was the king, was also a servant. Jesus would attain salvation by humbling himself to the point of death on a cross because the way to life was through death. The way to resurrection was through crucifixion. Jesus is a king, but he's a paradoxical king who came not to conquer the Roman government, but to conquer the people's hearts. 
the coming of the king, paradoxical king, verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, with that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And then he goes on to talk about foreshadowing what would happen to Jerusalem and how it would fall. Verse 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up, set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and predicts the fall of Jerusalem, which will happen in 70 AD. The pas Notice, remember in this account, the Passover is approaching. So many Jews are gathered here together in Jerusalem, getting ready to offer their sacrifices and such. And Jesus looks over the multitude, looks over the city, looks over the people, and he weeps. Jesus wept over the city because of their missed opportunity. He says, had you known on this day the things that make for peace, had you known, but now destruction is coming. They could have known Jesus. They could have listened to Jesus. They could have followed Jesus, but they rejected him, and now destruction is coming. They miss the opportunity to be saved and to find peace with God. Jesus was there offering salvation, but they didn't know it. So Jesus weeps over them. This is uh, similar to an account earlier in the gospel, in this gospel, when Jesus declared in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have, would I have, again, missed opportunity, would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Again, this shows how the people rejected Jesus when they ha had the opportunity to accept him. Jesus says, I would have, I would have gathered you, but you were not willing. There was a choice between peace and destruction, and they rejected him. So Jesus weeps. So it seems like, following through this passage, it seems like Luke's line of thought goes like this. Jesus comes declaring himself as king. He's not the king that everyone expected, but he is a king. He came not to conquer earthly thrones, but to conquer the throne of our hearts. He's the king who wants to reign in our hearts. So, we must not miss our opportunities. We must not reject him, but accept him. Seems like Luke's line of thought leads to the application that our choices, what we do in response to Jesus matters. That a heart that is willing to accept Jesus and not reject Jesus, that heart matters. Jesus weeps because he wants sinners to repent, because he wants sinners to experience salvation and peace. Um, so coming, you know, following the line of thought in, in this account in Luke, 
and coming to that that application, I just want to um, think about these things and and wrap up with uh, these applications. I think this is a time. Um, this is a time. The time that we're in now, how life is functioning now. This is a time when we can easily make excuses for a half-hearted attitude in our in our spiritual lives. We can easily make excuses for a half-hearted attitude in our relationship with God. Maybe we have thoughts like, you know, we're definitely living in exceptional circumstances right now, and this isn't what it's supposed to be like in following Christ. This isn't what I think of when I think of following Jesus. I think of being able to go to church, being able to go to Bible study, having fellowship with other believers, because all of those things God designed, the Bible tells us God designed to help us in our spiritual lives. But these things are not here. These are extraordinary circumstances. The things that I expect to be there in my life are not there. So, with that kind of mindset, we can easily put following Jesus on pause with the attitude of, I'll pick it up and I'll resume it later on when things get back to normal. So in a sense, we're just like the Jews who expected Jesus to be a certain way, who expected Jesus to work a certain way. And because of that expectation, because he's not the kingly king that they expected, missed the opportunity to know Jesus. But just like Jesus was there coming as the king to reign in people's hearts, Jesus is after the same thing today. He wants to reign in our hearts, regardless of what the circumstances are. No matter what the seemingly disadvantages are, are in our circumstances, he wants to reign in our hearts. He came to conquer our hearts. And in the same way, the choices that we make now matters. Why in the world would Jesus weep over Jerusalem if their choices didn't matter? Because he wanted them to repent. Because he wanted them to embrace Jesus. He wanted them to have a certain attitude toward Jesus. In the same way that the attitude that we have toward Jesus matters right now, today, in our circumstance. So we have to ask ourselves, is if Jesus is king, as this text is declaring, as the gospel is declaring, as the significance of this week is de declaring, if Jesus is the king, is he ruling in my heart? Is he presently ruling in my heart? How am I following Jesus during this extraordinary, unusual time? Or, or how, how can I follow Jesus well during this unusual time? You see, we're never neutral in our relationship with Jesus. We're either loving Jesus more or loving Jesus less because we're loving ourselves more or loving ourselves, we're, we're either loving Jesus more or loving ourselves more. 
We're never, it's, it's never like neutral. We're either getting closer to Jesus or we're getting further away from Jesus. It's never like right there in the same spot all the time. Because actually doing nothing, doing nothing to get closer to Jesus will inevitably take us further away from Jesus because that's the natural drift. The natural drift of the sinful heart is to love ourselves. And so that means we'll get further away from Jesus. So, so that means we have to be active in the pursuit of trying to get closer to Jesus all the time. So it's very important, especially these days, to exercise personal spiritual disciplines to be in the word, to be in prayer. You know, we're all using Zoom a lot these days. I didn't even know what Zoom was until all this started. Now everyone's on it. And I find the dynamics of using Zoom to be very interesting. Because Zoom gives all of your friends a window into your room into your personal room. But at the same time, right, like it's interesting because you don't want to give everyone access to all aspects of your room. Like you don't want everyone to see your messy closet. You don't want people to see your, your messy unmade bed. So you can actually angle a camera on a certain way to show them what you want them to see or to hide what you don't, don't want them to see. Or better yet, you, can, you, you have the choice to shut off the video, right? Like if you have to quickly pick your nose, shut it off, go dark. And then, okay? Or you can shut off the audio if you have to burp or do something like that. The point is this. We often have Zoom interactions with God. We can give God access to our hearts. But he really has limited access because we give what we're willing to give and we hide what we want to hide. And what that really means is that I really have the final say in what God can or cannot do in my heart. But that's not the kind of access that God wants. That's not the kind of relationship that God wants with us. Jesus is the king who came to reign in all of our hearts. I think the, the circumstances these days offer the perfect excuse to be selfish. I mean, think about it. Whether you're a student or not a student, right, almost everyone studying or working from home, that means you can wake up whenever you want to. You can do only what you have to do. And even that, you can do it when you want to do it. You don't have to see the people you don't want to see. You can spend time talking to or seeing only the people you want to see and talk to. Basically, all of that sums up to we can live however we want to right now. It's the perfect storm to be selfish. And then you can, at the end of the night, go to sleep when you want to because you work from home, because you study from home. 
So we can ask ourselves, thinking about how we're living our lives right now, is my heart right now, is it expanding or is it shrinking? Thinking about my lifestyle, my habits right now, these days, living under quarantine, is my heart actually expanding to love God more and to love people more? Or is it actually shrinking to love myself, to do what I want, to care about the things that I want? I think that's a good question for all of us to ask and really evaluate because God is after the same thing in our hearts. He wants to reign in our hearts. Along that same line, I just want to make a special encouragement to dating couples to be very mindful of how much time you're spending together these days whether online or in person. Because excessive time together can easily lead to my heart shrinking. And exclusive time physically together can easily lead to falling into temptation in that kind of situation. And uh, I'm just saying that out of love and out of concern for your spiritual well-being because this really is a special time where we have to make certain be mindful in, in specific ways to be careful and to care about our spiritual well-being, our spiritual lives. And lastly, along those lines, uh, be on the lookout for an announcement about morning prayer. Uh, time is something that almost everyone has more of these days. So the lack of time cannot be an excuse anymore for the lack of spiritual discipline. That's the excuse that we often use. I'm too busy because I have to do all these things. But probably a lot, a lot of those things are eliminated now. So everyone, I think, can benefit from going to sleep early, waking up early, and praying to start the day. And uh, we'll try to do that soon. So be on the lookout for that announcement. And I just want to encourage everyone as we head into Holy Week, Passion Week, Suffering Week of Christ, to really be mindful of our spiritual lives. How am I doing with God these days? And not put God on the back burner so that we can walk with Christ throughout this week and uh, remember Christ on Friday and celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Sunday. Let's pray together. Jesus is a king. He came to reign in our hearts. No matter what we think he should be like, no matter what we think uh, he should work in certain ways or not, his goal is the same. Um, he came to reign over his kingdom, and his kingdom is in our hearts. Yes. That's... Uh, Really be mindful of that and take responsibility uh, for our own hearts because he wants sinners to repent and draw near to him, not miss the opportunity to experience him and to have peace with God. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that in every page of scripture you're speaking to us, shouting to us, weeping over us, 
desiring intimacy with us. Help us to open our hearts to give you unlimited, ultimate access to every corner, every, every aspect of who we are so that you reign in us. Help us to draw near to you throughout this week and fall in love with you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your great, great love uh, for us. Even when we see passages like this, we see that Jesus had um, uh, such love for sinners, almost a complicated relationship with sinners, wishing sinners to, to respond a certain way but at the same time giving us the freedom and the choice to respond how we will. And uh, so with the choice that we have, choice uh, that we have to live our lives uh, how we want, how we choose to, to spend our time, how we will, uh, just all of these things, how we're living our lives these days, Lord, I pray that you would help us to to really be mindful and to make decisions and choices that will help us to get closer to you. Be with us throughout this week. May you really uh, feed the hungry hearts. Uh, may you bless the, the activities that are prompted by faith, that we might see you more clearly, we might experience your blessings, that they, we could have intimacy with you, know you in deeper ways so that even in this unusual circumstance there could be great revival in our hearts. And, uh, just continually pray together and ask that you work in our city, in our nation, and in this world to help sick people to be healed and to allow lost people to be found. Use your church, use your people, use your workers to proclaim the gospel that the name of Jesus Christ might be declared and known and loved to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this unchanging covenant love, the love of the Father God and the fellowship and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, God's people, both now and forever. Amen.